Welcome back, everybody. Podcast number 19. Pretty sure people are still not listening anymore, but now I'm just used to doing it, so I'm going to keep going. You cannot stop me. It's my podcast now. So it's March 30th. Got outside today, about 55 degrees, and look at the weather, and now they're saying it's going to snow tonight and be miserable for another couple days. Many of you know boys' high school tennis season started this week, and credit to all those coaches and all those kids that are outside and playing in 20 degrees and wind and gray. Update on my my son, Benny. He is officially a high school tennis player. Had two practices in, three now. Um, two outside, one in the gym, doing fine. I've been thinking a lot about uh, what I, you know, what the differences is, why somebody would choose tennis over other sports. Because I think for many years, tennis was losing players. And I saw it right away, first practice, within, honestly, within two minutes of jumping out of the car and walking onto the court for the first time. He's playing, he's hitting with a kid he's never met before. And, you know, he left baseball, and I see it that. You know, baseball has these incredibly long warm-ups and stretches, and then the, you might pick up a bat in a practice, and there's many practices you don't even swing the bat. And I saw that, man, tennis, you are playing instantly. And I think that's a positive thing that coaches, parents, everybody ought to mention to anybody who's maybe unhappy with their current sport is you pick up a racket, you're playing. There's not a lot to it. Go roll out some balls and let's go. And I think that's going to be you know, important to him and important to a lot of kids who maybe aren't or sit in the bench in a sport. There's a lot of opportunities in high school tennis, girls and boys. So if you've got anybody who's kind of on the fence about their sport, let them know. You get to play right away. They hand you a racket and give you some balls and send you on a court and say, go hit. That's what tennis players do, hit balls right away. And I think that's a pretty cool thing. So... I was happy to see that. I mentioned last week, or a couple weeks ago, in the last one I did, I had a couple comments about Naomi Osaka. Since then, uh, we all know that Ash Barty, the r- current world number one female tennis player, retired 25 years old, and it's pretty shocking to the tennis world. Basically, she said she realized that she was not into it the way she needed to be anymore and it wasn't for her and she gave it up she walked away number one in the world for 114 weeks in a row and she's done and I think that contrasts quite a bit with Osaka and how she continues to be seems to me miserable when she's on the court and her press conferences and this young 25-year-old decided she's done. She doesn't want to deal with those challenges. And I don't know what it means. A lot of my talk is just sort of making stuff up and hoping people I know will respond to me and listen and have these conversations. But I think it says something about how incredibly challenging it is to be successful in professional tennis. That the number one doesn't know doesn't want to go through the grind any longer. Three Grand Slams, 114 weeks in a row. 
Um, something needs to change, in my opinion, because you're losing these superstars that we just lost the ability to watch. And young, especially female players in this case, aren't going to be able to see this, what seems to be like a pretty good role model, play anymore. She'll probably go off and do amazing things. Uh, but I think maybe the schedule in pro tennis needs to change something. Make it less less difficult for people at that that kind of athlete to just leave. Then I look at Nadal's 35 and still going at it at a high level. Williams sisters, I know, aren't playing as much anymore, but 40 and 41, Federer 40, and without an injury, he's still going. Uh, Djokovic, 33, 34 maybe, somewhere in there, maybe even younger. But how did? what's the difference in those athletes and how they grind through it and what how do they think differently that it's okay when Nadal was 25? Why didn't he quit? Why didn't he have these things? Um, I just think it's an interesting conversation. But um, two very different ways of dealing with it between Ash Barty and Osaka. You can decide what you agree with. Um, I wanted to give an update on the sorry uh, conversation from last time. I've thought about it a lot and I got some good feedback from people about why they might say it, and most came down to being singles players, that they are used to being only accountable to themselves, and when they're on the doubles court, they feel like they need to apologize because there's someone else next to them and that they're not used to having. I think those are that's probably a valid point. If you're a singles player and live a life sort of, I think singles is lonely. I think tennis in general is a fairly lonely sport at a certain level, but singles, you're out there all alone, nobody to hang out with or talk to, and maybe you get a partner and you your your mistakes are highlighted a bit because there's someone else that can answer for them or has to. If you hit a weak shot or a mistake, it affects another person. So I think that's valid, um, but I still don't think you should say sorry. I, I don't think that's the right way to go. So along those lines, it came up to actually today in a drill, someone hit a you know, hit a, a let cord, hit the net, went over, won the point, and immediately apologized to the whole group. And I thought, no, why? Why? You had a winning shot. So what if it happened, hit the net? Maybe that's skill. But do generally, do you all who listen now, do you apologize when you hit that, you hit a ball off the net? I don't think I would anymore. I don't in a drill, but drills are a little different. I try to make it somewhat entertaining. I fail most of the time, but I usually raise my fist in the air like I did it on purpose. Uh, I don't, not saying you all should do that, but are you really sorry? And you put the, everybody knows the classic, put your hand up. I get it. It's under, I understand it. It's been around forever, but I don't think sorry is the right word. I'm not sorry. I just want a point. I'm going to take that. I just think it's part of the game, not much different than miss hitting a ball that lands in and shoots off with some spin. Um, Playing it, you know, you hit a line and it skids a little, something like that. I just think that's along the same lines. And, you know, I'd like to hear from you all if you think it's required to say sorry for that situation. I don't believe so. But what do I know? My one or two listeners on this thing, maybe they'll have things to say. Um, All right, I got some random things because, again, this is my podcast, as I always repeat. I can talk about what I want to. And, I want to know, I've got some issues at the gym, what you all's idea of gym etiquette is. So if you listen to this, you're probably a tennis or pickleball player. 
And so I've had twice now at the gym I go to regularly a full roll of treadmill. So I'm a treadmill person. I walk in, I find my treadmill, I'm done. I'm not a lifter, as you can clearly see. I'm bored to death by it. I should do it, but I just I can't do it. Um, so I'm on the treadmill. This happened twice. There were, I think, 8 to 10 in a row, all lined up. I get on my treadmill. There's nobody in the room. It's just me. Fairly early in the morning, put my headphones on, I'm going. Person comes in, picks the treadmill right next to me. All these other ones right freaking next to me starts going i just thought it was weird it made me uncomfortable i wanted to scoot over it would be like um going to an empty movie theater there's nobody there you've got a great seat there's a 200 other seats open and somebody comes and chooses the one right next to you i don't understand it or on a plane if there's you're lucky to get on a plane that's not full and there's plenty of seats everywhere and they choose the middle seat right next to you it freaked me out. Happened twice, and now I'm feeling like somebody's stalking me. It's not the same person. But what do you guys think about that? Am I just wrong? Is this just a dumb Seinfeld conversation? Um, but the other one is there's another person that comes to this and will get on the treadmill, and on the one to her right or left will hang all her things. Jackets, sweats, purse, bag, you name it they use the other one as almost like people would use it in their basement or their home where they hang clothes on it whatever right now i'm i'm doing this on half of our ping pong table which currently has some games on it and some blankets and i see battleship and various things it's become our just a table for us so she takes up a whole treadmill drives me nuts even when there's other treadmills open it bothers me and so I'm struggling with my gym etiquette, but there's one more, and this is the worst one. Just because you're in a gym working out, does it allow you to stink? Can you be, is it just a free pass? Because there is a person, regular, in my area where I tend to do my, do my work, smells as bad as you can smell, and I can't stand it, and I actually have to leave. And I'm just wondering... Is that normal? It's a gym. Everything's supposed to stink. or And you don't have to worry about your own hygiene anymore. Because if that's the case, I'm going in pretty pretty rough. Um, but these things are bothering me. And my podcast is uh, partly therapy for me. So if you happen to listen to this, let me know what you think. I, I want to say something. I want to bring, is it wrong if I brought air freshener and put a little, you know, one of those... Those things you screw the top off with like the, the jelly in the middle or I don't know what you call them and sit that on my treadmill so I don't have to worry about it anymore. But uh, again, if you listen to it, let me know what you think because I'm struggling with it and I want to know if other people have the same issues that I have. So a little bit of tennis for you. And this is something I've struggled with a little bit. It bothers me. I think I've probably less lost sleep over it. It's a sort of philosophical thing on the difference between drills and lessons. Is there a difference in a tennis player's mind and a lesson taker and a club member? A drill and a lesson. So this came up years ago. I was um, fairly new to Wisconsin, but I was the tennis director at Merrill Hills Country Club. 
Um, I don't even think it's Merrill Hills anymore. I had a really good crew, me and Gordy and my buddy Rob, for three seasons and just loved it. Um, But one of my first board meetings there, one of the tennis playing board members said that I shouldn't be charging anything for drills. I should only be charging for lessons. And it became a conversation, one that changed my outlook on that club and sort of my comfort level with that board. But so it happened. This is years ago. This is probably, I don't know, 15 years ago. Uh, We had this whole conversation about if they were not going to let me charge for drills, then I wasn't going to run drills. I was just going to use the term lesson every single time. There are no more drills. They're all lessons. Because this person thought drills are different than lessons. And I'm thinking, why? I'm still out there. It's still my time. It's still me, just because you call it something different. So what? What is a drill? And again, it came up. This comes up a lot, but I had someone this week tell me that what I was doing, I was doing a drill, not a lesson. And the point was, didn't want to be coached. I'm talking too much. Just wanted a drill, and I don't. I don't really know what that means anymore. And in my stage of my career. I'm no way I'm going to do that. I'm not capable of it anymore. It actually annoys me. And I'm probably going to teach more if someone says that. So is there a difference between drills and lessons? Probably. But there should not be a difference in coaching and teaching. You should be doing it, I believe, you should be doing it all the time. Is a drill just me or any coach? I'm just going to feed balls and be quiet the entire time. I cannot comment on your on your shots. I can't make instructional observations. I'm just a ball feeder. If that's the case, I can't do that. It's not what I do anymore. Um, and I don't think any coaches would want to do that, but I'm curious in what you all think. Is a drill just what you do in a large group? When someone says this is just a drill, I think, well, that means you, I'm just supposed to try to come up with as many things as I can to fill this time, an hour, 90 minutes, and I'm babysitting adults or kids. And what do we do next? not adding any learning environment to it whatsoever. Um, I like to coach. I want to I be a coach, uh, not a ball feeder, not a ball machine. And I don't think, I think most coaches want to be the same thing. I would be just bored to death if I wasn't able to provide feedback and try to make people better. Uh, I guess I had another question. Would you pay more for a lesson versus a drill? If your club charged $60 for a lesson, would you pay that? But if I said it's a drill, you would only pay $40. Um, I think this is a valid conversation that we could have with lots of different people. Because to me, call it whatever you want. I'm, I'm a coach, and coaches coach. And if you talk to any coaches, they'll tell you really good ones can coach anything. But I don't want to just... You know, get a card out and see how quickly I can go through it. It goes in line a little bit with last week's conversation about having a group that just wanted me to feed balls, and I wouldn't say it worked out so hot. Um, and I've got others now that are really letting me be a coach and try to help them, and I see improvement, and that's what I enjoy. But in your world, is a drill different? Does a drill just mean games to you? And hit two balls and go to the back of the line and play two points, king of the court, and run to the end? Is it exercise-based? What does that mean for everybody out there? Because I could, I could be wrong. 
I was wrong once. I remember it. It wasn't that much fun, but it hasn't happened in a long time. Uh, lastly, so I, I haven't mentioned pickleball for a little bit. Tried to get back to tennis, but this weekend I was able to do a pickleball certification through my job with the USPTA as a coach developer. And I had four coaches that really good. I know them well. It was done, hosted by Western Racquet Club. And what I found interesting when I walked in was there was a group playing when I got there on the pickleball court. It's pretty slow Saturday afternoon and I watched a little bit and who was playing was, it was pretty interesting to me because it can't happen on a tennis court. One of the players was the dad who was playing with his young son. I don't know ages. I'm terrible. I'm going to say seven years old to 12 years old. I, I don't know. Sorry. I apologize if you listen to this and you know who you are. The other was the mom. And the other one was just a local coach, good player. Um, and they are all playing pickleball. And they're laughing and having fun. And such a it's a wide variety of different people and different age levels and skill levels and they are all playing they're not they're not practicing it's not hit one one ball they were actually competing playing court points keeping score and if you can imagine a tennis court with the son especially that age you can't in most cases unless they're spectacular you can't play a match you can't serve and return and keep score um with a variety of players and backgrounds and levels like that and I just I thought it was pretty interesting from a pickleball standpoint that that's that is why pickleball is here and it's 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 becoming as big as any other sort of activity that people spend their time and their extra money on is because it doesn't matter you can learn it so quickly and anybody can play it tennis come on you all know You've all played in bad groups. You Three of you know how to play, and you grab one person who's a beginner. You can't play. It's no fun. You may say it's fun, but you need four somewhat level skilled ages players to play a good quality tennis match that you enjoy. Pickleball, just a, it's a different vibe, and I, I just thought it was a pretty cool, unique thing to see there and wanted to bring it up, and you always all welcome to tell me what you think and what your what your experiences are with it. But lastly, I uh, don't know. I doubt he'll listen to this. He's pretty busy. But just wanted to give a, a good luck to my brother Mark. Just um, just in the last three days, moved all the way back out to Greensboro, North Carolina. Took a massive job. One of the nicest clubs you're ever going to find, the Greensboro Country Club, Greensboro, North Carolina, where we happen to both work in our 20s as young Tennis pro. It's probably where I grew up the most as a tennis coach, uh, learning how to manage. Very nice, great, just a cool place. Um, he left left Michigan, headed to North Carolina. He's all by himself, but his first day was today. And just wanted to say good luck, man. Hope it works out. And uh, I know you'll crush it. But uh, if you, any of my listeners, you're ever Greensboro, North Carolina, stop at the Greensboro Country Club, find, find Mark, and uh, say hello, give him a little grief. So that's all I got. Thanks again for listening. And um, I'll be back uh, sometime soon. Thanks, everybody.